This is The Jolt with Larry Flick on Sirius XM OutQ. Classic music by The Replacements as we continue this Tuesday morning, 80s Music Tuesday, on The Jolt. I'm Larry Flick. It's also December 1st. Yes, World AIDS Day 2015, and we have been spending a decent amount of our time visiting with you today, talking about what what all is life in the age of AIDS at this moment. We've been living with this for, gosh, decades. And um, it's a pleasure to welcome to our studio now uh, an old friend we haven't seen in a very long time, and yet he hasn't aged. <laughs> Fucking annoying. You're too kind. Yeah, the deputy editor of Paz Magazine, Trent Straub. Hello. Hey, Larry. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. It's been, it's been a while. It's been a while. Since and the last century, probably. Yes. <laughs> Actually. Yes, Trent Trent was uh, was uh, an editor at HX Homo Extra yes. magazine when I yeah. was a freelancer. Remember that. Remember yeah. that. That was a very powerful little zine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gay nightlife. Remember it. Gay nightlife. <laughs> Whatever what that was. Yeah. What happened to it is the question. We got old. <laughs> we got old. We got tired, darling. Um, but uh, but congratulations, Paz Magazine. Uh, one of the most influential um, of its kind for many, yes. many years, actually. Yeah, we were founded in 1994. Yeah, an amazing, amazing magazine. And uh, and so you're introducing this year's Paz 100. That's correct. Which celebrates the long-term survivors of the virus, yeah? Yes, this is our sixth annual Paz 100, and this year it's celebrating long-term survivors. We does we define that as someone who's been HIV positive since 1996 or before. Um, <clears throat> why 1996? You read um, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> everybody asks that. Uh, 1996 is the year that modern antiretroviral medicines came out, the combination therapy. So after that, the face of the epidemic changed greatly. So, do you think that um, obviously that that allowed people to live longer lives. Right. Um, did that make any move toward destigmatizing? I mean, obviously, I, I think we're still living with stigma attached to HIV. Oh, we're definitely was, still living with but stigma. But was there yeah. any change at all from your point of view? Any, any? Well, it's no longer a death sentence. Yeah. So you talk to young people today, and it's not something that they're terrified of like I was. Yeah. I came of age in the 80s. So I kind of associated, as I as I came out in the early '80s as a as a gay person, I thought, well, being gay means you're going to die of AIDS. That's no longer the case, which is great. Um, is there ever a point? This is this is a question that I don't know if anyone's going to really like, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh oh. I think you know what the question is. Is there ever a time when you think it might be good for people to be a little terrified of it again? There has been a lot of talk about that, um, especially when you look at the epidemic numbers. Like they've been stable at about fifty thousand new infections each year. Mm-hmm. So here I'll give you a little bit of data for your information. Please. Um, there's about one point two million people estimated to be HIV positive in the United States, and the rate of new infections is pretty stable and it has been for several years at about fifty thousand. As the rate decreases in certain populations. Um, For example, just yesterday, New York State announced that they had zero mother-to-child transmissions in the last year. 
So a lot of population groups are going down, but the one that's going up is young gay men. And so there's a lot of talk about young people are not scared of this anymore. And, you know, that's a blessing and a curse, obviously. It is, because I, I remember, you know, coming of age in the, you know, during the AIDS uh, epidemic, epidemic in its earliest days and thinking, yeah, this is, it's inevitable. And yeah. it terrified me. Um, <clears throat> it didn't stop me from living and it didn't stop me from pursuing love and sex and all the other things right. that came with it. But it made me appreciate my life more and it made me appreciate what was happening more. Right. Um, and, and I sometimes can't, I can't figure out, I can't find the balance in my brain between rose-colored glasses about my history and what, I, what is genuine ambivalence right now. Yeah, and it's difficult because you don't want to project onto other people your your experience. Exactly. That's unfair. It's not fair. You know. But you do want them to kind of I think I think I only get mad when I feel like there's no respect to the people we've lost. Or to the Yeah, fact or that to long term survivors like the the Pause one hundred. A common theme that we hear with the long term survivors is basically, Hey, don't forget about us. We're still here. Like right. everyone's now focusing on uh, getting to zero and no new transmissions and what are we going to do about young people who aren't afraid of this and in the meantime we forget that oh there's a whole population that is yeah. aging with the virus yeah I'm including my husband you know oh right yeah I mean he's uh he's I don't even know how I can't remember how many years in but one of the things that we talk about and we got a little bit of a bugaboo with this whole uh, the New York City end AIDS by 2020 thing coalition right and the fact that you know well, you can't really end it by 2020 because there are going to be people living with this for far yeah. more than the next uh, five or six years. We get into an issue of semantics with the end AIDS talk because yeah. technically that is something feasible. You could still have a million people contracting HIV every year, but right. no one develops AIDS if they're on medication. Right. So it's a, it's a little bit of fudging the semantics a little bit by saying ending AIDS and not actually curing HIV or ending yeah. HIV. But yeah, it's a it's an issue and a lot of I think a lot of long-term survivors kind of get a bee in their bonnet about that. that I, talk. And <laughs> and I have to say rightly so. Uh, so yeah. so so the pause uh 100. Yes. The cover issue uh the cover of the issue is Fred Hirsch. Yes, jazz musician, you probably know him. Brilliant brilliant man. And I have to be honest with you did not know he was pause. Oh really? I did not. I don't know why I didn't know. I mean, because yeah, he was one of. He's the, never made it a secret, apparently. But um, well, uh, I guess he came out in the '90s. He there's an interview with our editor, um, Oriel Gutierrez. Talk, yeah. spoke with him. There's a Q and A at the beginning. Yeah, um, and 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 but but this is what's this is what's um, I think kind of kind of interesting, kind of cool about this issue, is you're going to see names of people you may have never heard of and you're going to hear about their lives and it's going to be fascinating. And then you may find a name that you recognize and think, I didn't know that. Right. And that's a, and to me, that's a, it's a good and a bad thing. It's a bad thing in that we should, you know, if, if, they want to, if they want their story to be heard, then they should be heard. But it's a good thing in that it's not, I mean, he's a healthy man and, you know, still making... Yeah, new records, and he has a memoir coming out that yeah. he's working on. Um, it's a beautiful piece, by the way. Yeah. The the interview with Fred Hirsch is absolutely gorgeous. Um, 
And he's gone through it. I mean, he's been in a coma. He had to relearn playing had, music. Yeah, and, he had dementia at one point. I mean, yeah. he's really he has been through it. He is the definition of a survivor. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of people like that on the list. Um, and the thing, when we talk about long-term survivors, people, I think, automatically associate the idea of someone who's maybe 60 or 70 or yeah. 50, people who are maybe in their 20s or 30s in the, in the 80s, for example. But we have, uh, I think three or four people who are in their 20s. The youngest person is 23, yeah. um, Aaron Secker from Ithaca. So, you know, you can be perinatally infected. I mentioned earlier that we didn't have any in New York State this year, but in the 80s and 90s, there certainly were a number. So you can be a long-term survivor and be 29 years old. You can be a long-term survivor and be, I think the oldest person is 71. It's incredible. Yeah. It and really me, is incredible. I'm looking at the issue again as we're talking. And it's just such a moving issue because it's just it's very powerful, very empowering. And everyone's story is extreme. I mean, it was so much fun working on this. It's so inspiring. Just yeah, it the is. The variety of people across the country. Uh, the Pause 100, just so you know, is a nomination process. We open it up in the summer. For this particular theme, Long-Term Survivors, last year we had um, Youth in Action. We've, we've done researchers. This time it was long-term survivors, and we got such a robust nomination just within a few weeks. We actually had a big difficulty in weeding it down in our office. Wow. Because everybody – you want to give everybody uh, to say that you're a, there's no losers and winners, but we had to really go How through this. And How It's do do tough. That? It was really tough. That's, I mean, that is the definition of Sophie's Choice, man, let me tell it you. It is. I don't know how you do it. But there's also a wonderful piece. I can't stop looking at it. About I still remember the photography exhibit, right? Yeah, which is that's which, opening in Staten Island actually this week for World AIDS Day. Yeah, it's it's uh, I've been looking. I, I I found out about it by looking through the issue, and then I've been just clicking around online. It, I can't. I have to go. Yeah, the these two people, they the concept is really great. They wanted to recreate through photos iconic images of of moments from the AIDS generation. So it basically tells the story of a gay couple that met on Fire Island. Um, they were together for a while. Uh, one of them uh, tested positive and died of AIDS. And this just tells their story. The one that's still alive has gone on. He has new friends, a new lover, but they have a memorial service once in a while. So they capture all of that in photos. Mm. And the interesting thing that I thought was the photographer said, it's not just an art piece, it's also an educational piece because younger generations don't know a lot of these, these things, especially um, this is told from the point of view of a gay couple. So he said talking to a lot of young people, they never heard of like Fire Island or the carefree days when people were not trying to get married or be monogamous. So that's that mindset is totally different for a lot of them. It's a different population of, of men and women. Yeah. And, I mean, and... and, and lifestyle and and it's funny because it, they're really it's hard to remember but there were in my young in my younger days um, <laughs> a lot of particularly men who found the idea of uh, of marriage right as being negative assimilation exactly and, and, and people some people still think that obviously yeah but the it main, was much more of a movement yeah. back in the back in the 70s and 80s yeah incredible yeah, if you contrast, like I said, when I was coming of age in the early 80s, you thought of AIDS and you didn't think of monogamy or marriage. No. And now if you're a kid coming out, 
probably eight years old or whatever, however young they do it now. <laughs> they do it so young now, <laughs> Trent. Know. How old were you when you came out? Uh, I was a freshman in college. Wow. Yeah, so, so I was I was 21. Yeah, I was, I guess, 19 or 20. Yeah. In the end of freshman, yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm so young, I'm so fresh. Yeah. And now I'm like a senior citizen compared to these kids. Well, now they're not just coming out. They're, they're questioning, am I even a man or a woman? What is the, What is the construct of of gender and it's a whole so new world out there yeah it's crazy it's a whole new world out there so what what um i have to ask you and it's a question i'm sure you've been asked countless right. times in the last few weeks what 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 hath charlie sheen wrought on on the charlie sheen charlie sheen the, the red button of uh, of this uh, of this uh well i think thing. um the half glass full answer would be he's brought HIV to the headlines again yeah. in a way that no celebrity has probably since O.J. Simpson or something. Um, and he brought a lot of terms to public knowledge that people probably did not know, like just the fact of having an, an undetectable viral load. A lot of people probably didn't even know what that was. Uh, the idea that HIV criminalization is a big problem most people don't even know about. Mm. A lot of Americans, I think, don't even know the difference between HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And he, like in the interview, he talked about one of his partners knowing that he was HIV positive, that he was undetectable, that the risk was very low, and that the person was on PrEP, pre-exposure prophylactics, something that most people might not even know about as well. So I think it was a really great teachable moment to get a lot of the nuances of HIV because it's changed a lot just in the last decade even. And unless you are involved in it directly or a loved one or something, I think a lot of it goes under the radar. Mm. So it's been a good opportunity to have discussions that we need to have. It's, it, it, I completely agree with you. I, I'm wondering how you feel about the witch hunting that's going on, the, the desire to prove because people still want to believe right. it's a gay, it's a gay right. issue. So now the the mission is find a picture of him with a man. Yeah, I've been seeing those headlines. I kind of cringe when they're I horrible, right? Yeah, they're terrible. And that the implication is that then you somehow deserve HIV or you did something, and nobody deserves or that gay people deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you can look at our pause one hundred list. You'll see lots of women on the list. Yeah, indeed. So it's clearly. I mean, we all we all should know this, but I think a lot of people do want to believe that. Do you think that? Do you think that there is? Um, would it be a big deal if a a young, uh, out gay artist came out as pause? What would that do? I'm well, thinking. we did just have Danny Pintaro come out yeah. as pause, and <clears throat> I I don't know what. That was with mixed reaction, with I think. With really yeah. mixed reaction. And I wonder how much of that is, I don't know if he was really prepared for it. That seems to be the main criticism, it right? It seems like he just he, he went in with a, with a big, wide, open heart and not all of the... Yeah. He kind of went to the wrong venues to talk about it, right. too. Right, right, exactly. Like going on the views just seemed like a bad idea. Yeah, he, good, good <laughs> luck him. to him. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody's I, on their own path. And I mean, he's a nice, them and, he's a nice kid, and and I think I really do think he went went with a good uh, a good attitude. But I just think, oh goodness gracious! Um, but I guess the reason why I asked that is because you know I I'm remembering we were talking earlier about um, 
you know, Andy Bell from Erasure Company. Oh, right. And yeah. that was, you know, that was a, a moderate sized deal when it happened. And right. maybe one of the better known mainstream pop music people to come out as Paws. And and I'm thinking there certainly there are others, but, you know, it, it certainly didn't help him coming out. Right. Yeah, there is still a lot of stigma around HIV. It's That's something stigma, we it's hear. A, and it's an age thing as well. I mean, what would happen from just to just to kind of muse for a moment? Mm. What would happen if a young, you know, a young person? Because even Danny Pintaro is not that young. I mean, she's trying to give you views, <laughs> but she's not really that young. Just giving you uh, a little truth. But what would happen if, like, a you know, a, a person, you know, a, you know, in his or her twenties came out? As pause. Like a Justin Bieber or something? Well, I mean, yeah. but That well, would bring an amazing amount of focus to HIV. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if a young, like a well-known young person right. came out as pause. I mean, w- could that even happen? Or is the stigma too, I guess what I'm getting at is, is the stigma till, still too great? Well, look at the Charlie Sheen example. I mean, he was being blackmailed because of, if stigma were not an issue, then he could have just said I was HIV positive. Yeah. You know, Uh that's stigma is just probably the biggest thing that we hear about in terms of what people talk about and of their their challenges and stigma keeps people from getting tested it keeps people from getting in treatment uh that's a big thing that i talk about especially in say the south where Mm. stigma is really bad and hiv is increasingly a disease of of the south and of poverty and of minorities straight and gay and I've interviewed people who were positive and they wouldn't want to go to a doctor in their home city because they didn't want people to see them going to the doctor. So they would go to a doctor like three hours away and then you miss appointments and then you don't take pills. You don't want your pills in your house because you don't want people to see them. Right. It snowballs. And of course, if you're not taking your pills, then you're not going to be healthy for one. And then you're also not going to be undetectable. I think the stats show that of the 1.2 million people who are HIV positive in the United States, about 83 or 87% know their status, but only about 30% are undetectable. So we have a long way to go in getting people connected to care. And part of mm. that is stigma. It's also, I, I still, I, you know, I, I hate to hammer at the 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 generational uh, gap, but right. even someone like, Danny Pintaro, people don't really know who he is because he's really, you know, a star from our generation. Yeah. You know, you look at someone a- absolutely, like you yeah. look at someone like Charlie Sheen, you think, well, that's, you know, he's an old dude and he's been, you know, banging a lot of people in his life. Yeah. You know, uh, that's why I was wondering what what would happen if a 20 something. Yeah. You know, suddenly I th- if we were talking, we started this conversation about, you know, maybe a little healthy fear. Yeah. Right. That would send fear through, it would send shockwaves if a young person, straight, queer, whatever. Yeah, and the, the numbers are really it, alarming. Um, the, probably but it's the, happening, but they're not talking. Yeah, probably the, the most alarming statistic I've come across in the years I've been at PAUSE is this one. Um, mathemati- mathematical uh, statistics show that of young gay men who are 22 years old today, like the, the people graduate from college today, mm-hmm. it's predicted that by the time they are 50, 50% of them will be HIV positive. So mm. it's predicted that half of young gay men will be positive by the time they're 50. Uh, how does that compare with today? The statistics are, they estimate that maybe 12 to 13% of gay men are HIV positive today. 
Um, in larger cities, it's maybe 20%, which is nowhere near 50. That's a humongous increase. Yeah, yeah. And the numbers are not straight across the board. Um, African-American and Latino men, especially transgender women, are at really high rates. Uh, they're understudied. They're not included in a lot of studies. So we have, yeah, lots and lots of work to do. Lots of work to do. But we want you to spend some time today, y'all, celebrating the long-term survivors. Yeah, you can read it on pause.com, P-O-Z.com. Yeah, and but, you know, ain't nothing like paper. I know, right? Nothing like paper, y'all. It looks so good. It's a beautiful-looking issue. On the website, you get to see a photo of every every single person, which, which is, is on, nice. Which is yeah. very, very nice. But you know, we have quite a few characters. The, a, a really interesting, fascinating people. Um, but celebrate the survivors. Celebrate the survivors because um, I don't know. I don't know where we would be without them. And a lot of them, the thing I like about this list also is it's not just that they're survivors, but they are also advocates. They've taken uh, a role of research and advocacy. Yeah, they've they've honestly used their lives uh, for for the better of others. Where you know, let's face it, it'd be really easy and maybe even arguable that they need to um, concentrate on themselves. But we're really pleased that they are. Uh, doing doing the work that they are. Uh, Trent, it's really, really good to see you. Good to see you again. Good to see you. Hope good it won't be another you. century. No, it won't be. <laughs> it won't be. We'll have to have you back to talk more about what the, what's happening with Paz Magazine. I would love to. There's and much more. There's much, much more we want, but we want to encourage people to check out the website, which is? POZ.com. POZ.com. Make sure you check it out. But as I said, get, try to get your hands on the hard copy. The you know, listen, I'm an old print queen. I like paper. Uh, so get your hands on that. Thank you guys for visiting with us today. We hope that you uh, have a really awesome Tuesday. Go uh, do something nice for yourself. Go make some good new memories. Tomorrow morning, oh my gosh, it's going to be a busy, crazy day. Sir Tom Jones is going to be with us, as well as Bianca Del Rio and Padma Lakshmi. How's that for a smorgasbord of weird and fun stuff? So uh, we'll see you tomorrow.